Welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast with your hosts, Leo Bathgate-Snethin and Darren Krause. Hey everybody, welcome to the Golf Life Alberta podcast, season one, episode 15. I am your co-host, Leah Bathgate-Snethin, here with my other co-host, Darren Krause. Hey Darren. Hey Leah, how are you? Um, a little tired after the weekend, uh, but mm-hmm. you know, Busy weekend. such is life. How about you? Uh, not too bad. I am one day or one year older as of today when we're recording this podcast. Happy birthday! So, yes. Oh, thank you very much. I fully expected like a Marilyn Monroe kind of happy birthday. Yeah, not going to happen. But you know what? <laughs> <laughs> but no, uh, things are good. Things are good. Excellent. And how did uh, the tournaments this weekend go? Oh. Well, this weekend and yesterday. Yeah, you know, that's. I think that's kind of why I'm tired. Usually my Saturday events don't start until afternoon. Um, but this time we had a nine o'clock shotgun Saturday as well. So it's been early, early mornings every day, pretty Mm -hmm. much. So, uh, no, they were good. Actually, the weather looked awful for both events and we actually ended up on Saturday at Trestle Creek having a really good day. There was barely any wind. It spit rain, like maybe for two or three minutes, a couple times, but really it was a it was quite a nice day. Couldn't really ask for anything better. And then yesterday at Innisfail, I mean, it started out kind of cold. We were pretty much all wearing toques and mitts at the beginning of the day. And <laughs> Yes, we were. But it warmed up by the time everyone got in, I guess. So there was that. It did. And you know what? When we were down in the trees, um, because, I mean, there are like lots of trees lining the fairways oh, yeah. at Innisfail. Uh, it, did, it did block out some of the wind. When you got into the open areas, though... I mean, I was carting with Sandra and we both had our big jackets put, put over us like they were shawls because it was so cold. And that's on top of the already three layers that we had. So I'm sure most of the golfers out there were in, in quite the same position as us. Yep, it was pretty chilly. Um, I, actually, like you can tell, actually, it wasn't even the cold that did this. It was the wind. We didn't want to set up mm-hmm. the tent because we didn't want to risk it kind of getting a gust and flying away while everyone else was on the course. So... I was mm-hmm. even inside the clubhouse doing registration, which I don't think I've ever done that, actually. <laughs> no, I can't recall it, but I I have to say it was a good decision, probably for both, obviously, your logistic reasons. But it was also good for the golfers, too. It was a little bit of a break from having to be outside in that weather yeah. the whole time. So, and I mean, it was nice that there was a little bit of coffee there, Yeah, too. they had a nice little coffee bar set up for us. It was... Wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I guess I'll, I'll quickly recap our, our winners from mm-hmm. the weekend. At Trestle Creek, we ended up with 45 players out there. Like I said, ended up with a perfect day. I was a little nervous because I actually pushed people back on tees to sort of uncomfortable oh. yardages for most people there, which made a lot of people uncomfortable, not only the players, but also the course because they had... They'd squeezed us in last minute. This is the tournament that we had to change locations for. Sure. And um, they had their own shotgun right after ours. It's starting at 2 o'clock, so they needed time to turn all the carts over and get all of their members out for their shotgun. It turned out they let us play in threesomes, which was amazing. And pretty much everybody was in. You're not even going to believe this. 
You're not going to believe this. Ready? Four <laughs> hours ready. flat. I don't think. I don't believe yeah, it. Yeah. I don't think we have ever had a tournament like that ever before. Four <laughs> hours flat. Four hours is, is that is. It was amazing. Buzzing around the course. So there must have been some pretty good scores. There was some great scores there. Yep. In the champ flight, uh, we actually had a playoff between Chris Patterson and Robin Laurie. We snuck those two out really quickly for their playoff, and it only took one hole, luckily, because that's all we had time for. And Chris Patterson mm-hmm. ended up winning the playoff. Oh, good for him. He shot a 74 that day. Oh, good score. Yeah. And then in the A flight, we had actually another kind of really good score. I was told that this guy actually almost aced two of the par threes. His tee shots were so close. So. Actually, this is his first year on the tour. It was his second time playing Terry Bader with a 79. Sorry, I need to correct Chris's score. It was a 76, not a 74. Um, Mm -hmm. Then in the B flight, Pascal Content. This is his first year as well. Shot an 81. He's been out to almost every event this year, so it was good to see his nerves finally settle and and shoot Mm -hmm, a good score. That's good. And then he's in his third year here in the C flight. Uh, Tim Reinhold shot an 85, which I think is a personal best tournament round for him as well. And then once again in the D flight, a three-way playoff. This is the (laughs) second time we've had a three-way playoff, and we've had a playoff in almost every single tournament in the D flight so far. So it was between uh, Sheila Lavender, Maurice Thompson, and uh, a first-time participant, 14-year-old, Zoe Bannock. Oh wow, yeah. that's awesome! I'm I'm sorry that I missed that one. That's cool. yeah, it was super cool. So I don't know if anyone's ever played Trestle, but there is um, eight and nine are eight's a reachable par four if you hit the right tee shot. Um, it's a severe like ninety degree dog leg with only bunkers really covering the dog legs. So if you choose to go over those bunkers, you can reach mm-hmm. it in two no problem. And then number that's nine. Cool. There's water pretty much all the way up the hole. There's some fairway on the right-hand side that most people would be smart to bail out to. But Zoe went for the green and actually drove it over the green from 210 yards. So that was pretty awesome. (laughs) That is super cool. And beautiful chip. And then just barely missed her birdie putt, made a par on it. And Anyways, it was awesome because I had looked at her scores a little bit before, kind of wondering if the D flight was even going to be a little bit tough for her because she showed up as a 26 handicap and we had people Mm -hmm. as low as 16 in the D flight at Trestle Creek. Mm -hmm. Um, I decided just to leave it as gross and obviously she could handle that. So a 90 was the tying score and a personal best by a long shot for Zoe too. We didn't have time to do a playoff, so we had to do a count back. And in the count back, the winner ended up being Sheila Lavender. So, oh, good. Yeah. That's good for Sheila. And then yesterday at Innisfail, it's really funny. Mm-hmm. If you look at all these pictures, <laughs> did you know that warm clothes or people dressing warm all wear black? <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kind of funny literally uh, no i didn't know that colors right now we had a couple low scores and some kind of you know average scores so in the champ flight once again two tournaments in a row chris patterson ended up winning um, we had a lot of former Congrats, professionals playing and actually i put chris in the group with three other former professionals just because one of them was my brother and I've wanted the two of them to play together for a while. So it was pretty cool that Chris could come out on top against some former CPGA pros, which is pretty sweet. Uh, He shot a 78 to get that win. 
And we actually mm-hmm. only had two scores yesterday breaking 80. So Chris was one of them. In the A flight, we had just what two strokes you were you were so close yesterday Darren (laughs) yeah I was out by two strokes you know what I will chalk it up to I played even par through the first seven and then I went double bogey double bogey and you know what the double bogey that I got on the one par five was just mindless I was 120 yards in and I yanked my ball uh, to the left in the bushes and before you know it I had a seven so well that's my fault that'll that'll happen (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> mm-hmm. it will um we had again it's his first year on tour second event of the season uh todd hagel shooting an 80 uh we had moved after riverbend we moved tyler kidd my son up from the c flight to the b flight and he was quite nervous about that but obviously didn't need to be because i might need to move him up again <laughs> he went out and hey, shot flight. yeah i know right shot the only other sub 80 score he actually has not ever broken 80 even in a recreational round so this was a hmm. really big deal to him um shot a 79 and c flight was doug geyer with an 88 and then d flight once again second tournament in a row sheila lavender with a 98 so it's really good to see all these first timers out if you are interested in tournament golf this is a great place to do it you know and i'm not just saying it because i was out there but i'm sure that there are tons of golfers out there who are like me four years ago going gosh I, I kind of wish there was a place I could play tournament golf regularly. Well, I mean, as you can see from all the first timers, uh, this is a great place to cut your teeth, so to speak, and play that professional style tour golf. And we'll talk about it later in the show, but it's also uh, prepping some guys for uh, for Alberta amateur play. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good it's a good place to kind of practice because really tournament golf you you can be a great golfer recreationally out with your buddies Mm -hmm. but if you're ever planning on playing tournament golf it's a totally different ball game and you know you talked about it you wrote an article a couple of years ago getting your Mm -hmm. name announced on the first tee and everybody watching Mm -hmm. you and watching that tee shot it is intimidating and it makes you nervous (laughs) I, I still get nervous on the first tee, you know, I mean, I've gotten over the majority of, of the tournament jitters, but for sure they're there. Oh yeah. Well, it was, uh, it was a great couple of tournaments. I guess one thing I wanted to touch on, I kind of did with the Trestle Creek was pace of play. Like I said, I have never seen such an awesome average pace of play as we did at Trestle Creek. I was amazed and I applaud everybody who participated in that tournament. But I got to say, I was not a very happy camper with pace of play yesterday. I believe only the two first groups that went out, we did a crossover. So the the two first groups on each nine uh, were on pace. They weren't fast, so there shouldn't have really been a reason for the gaps that were out there. But, you know, then after them, there's a, a hole or a two-hole gap. And then after that gap, you'd think that you'd have people waiting, but no, there's still more half-hole gaps and full-hole gaps and not the type of thing that I like to see for pace of play, I got to say. But, I mean, you attribute the cold and the wind, and we were playing lift clean in place, I mean, realistically, it shouldn't keep people that much, but man, Mm -hmm. that was slow golf yesterday. Yeah, I mean, I generally like to play fairly quick golf. I know that sometimes I may overlook for my ball only because I really don't want to lose it and I I want to score. But I also think one of the things that you can 
attribute it to maybe if if you go back to the first timers i i do believe that two of the people who were in our group graham and john maybe john it's he's played before but graham was a first timer couple in the nerves you couple in a a, or you add in a course that that maybe people aren't too familiar with but does have some trouble if you don't keep it on the fairway and you kind of do end up with a recipe for possible disaster so I, I mean, throw everything in, and you know, including the weather and the wind, and and you're looking at the potential for those five hour rounds. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't something that I like to see. I kind of let it go yesterday mm-hmm. because of the amount of first timers we had. Regardless, that's why you know, for anyone who hasn't played an AGT event, I have a local rule. Actually, two of them that I implement. Number one we do the three minute search already. It's we're not waiting till Mm -hmm. January 1st, 2019. We do not do a five minute search. We don't have patience. We don't have time. Just drop it. Well, we're not professionals. Like (laughs) if we don't have to find that ball, you know what? Just drop. Chances are in most times. And I think in, in virtually every situation that I've seen where we've come up against that Leah, the player is better off dropping and hitting from their point of entry anyways, rather than finding the ball, maybe trying to hit it out, hitting one of the trees, you know, ending up dropping, you know, because of an unplayable lie or something anyways. I, you know what? Just for the pace of play alone, I think it's worthwhile, not to mention your scores. Your scores are going to reflect better if you do drop it. Yeah. And then... I guess the second one that people may not know is we at every tournament play a forest fescue lateral. So if you go mm-hmm. in the schmeg like there is at Innisfail, you have that ability to drop from your point of entry. You can treat it like a red stake hazard and you've got three options there. And a lot of people, I don't know if it's ego or what, but they don't seem to want to treat it like a red stake hazard. They want to find that ball. They want to hit it out. They want to, mm-hmm. but like you were just saying, it's not always the smartest choice. It's usually not well, the smartest you know choice. No, it, it usually isn't the smartest choice. And the good thing is a lot of people don't see it as the rules right now, but come 2019, those will be the rules. And they're meant specifically to speed up the pace of play in the game. So so it's not just going to be our league rule or our tour rule. It's actually going to be a USGA or RCGA rule where you drop from the point of entry. Yeah. And I felt so bad. I had some C and D fighters, my last couple groups, even though they take more shots than everyone, they golf the fastest. They don't, they don't have that ego over taking drops when they need to, and they don't right. stand over their ball and then go behind their ball and then recheck their yardage and then change their club and then check the wind and then change their club again. You know, they just, they just go. And I felt so bad for them because okay, they were I, frustrated. I do that, Leah. Well, maybe you should <laughs> back off a little bit there, pro. <laughs> Uh, yeah it's uh um, you know they i i i felt for them because they came through nine you're not gonna believe this my last group came through nine in two hours and 45 minutes that's on pace for five and a half hours that's how slow oh, wow. it was out there and it was not my last group's fault and they were so frustrated because they just they're used to playing a four four and a half hour round mm-hmm. like we all usually are on tour and there was nothing they could do about it. They were they were the only ones in position on the golf course. So besides those first two groups on each each nine. So, I mean, it was I wasn't happy. I, I think we all know I wasn't happy. And I'll just leave it at that. I'll leave that with everyone's official warning 
That was the one tournament that I let go. It doesn't happen again. <laughs> so, Leah, there is something else that you brought up that I actually really, really like. You brought it up on Facebook. Why don't you tell us a little bit about those those longest putt contests? Oh, or not, not contests, but the longest putt sort of thing on on in golf tournaments so I had one of our players you know luckily I I like when I'm not actually you know super invested on one side of an argument or the other because as you know when I am super invested I also get super heated and I get super into my own opinion and anyway (laughs) so one of our (laughs) players um actually left her ladies league on Tuesday night or was still there I think and texted me saying, hey, I need your opinion on something. Is long putt your first attempt, or can it also be your second or third attempt if it's still behind the current marker? And so I said to her, well, your first attempt, like that that's the way it's always been played in my books. It's your first attempt. That's, what do you mean your second and third still count? That's not, that's not the way it goes. So I was like, you know what? And she's sitting there arguing with me over text and, you know, debating her side and I'm debating my side. And I'm like, you know what, listen, I'm gonna, well, I started first texting a few people. And I texted my brother, who used to be a golf pro, I texted Sandra, and I talked to Cody. And Cody and my brother were both on the side of, well, if your second or third putt is still behind the marker, then it still counts. And then Sandra was on the side of nope, your first putt only counts. So even there, I'm like, well, it's half and half now. Like, I didn't actually realize that people had their second. I've never even considered having my second or third attempt in there. I wonder how many prizes I could have missed out on. I don't know, right? Yeah, so I put a poll up on Facebook. I made it public so that anyone could vote in it. And a few people shared it. The Ladies League actually ended up sharing it as well. And I was mm-hmm. baffled by the results, I have to say. As was I. Um, <laughs> I am in the same boat is you I didn't ever consider that like I mean sure it might have taken you five shots to get to the green and you might have the longest putt that's fine but it's only one putt yeah I don't think there's any two ways about it I mean otherwise I'm just gonna I'm just gonna putt up to the you know to the limit and then I'm gonna try the whatever 12 or 15 footer because that's Sometimes what it usually it's like is a maybe four a 20 or five footer. footer too right if you're one of the first yeah, people so, out there yeah I mean if you want to game the system at tournaments I mean be, be my guest but I yeah I'm I'm with you I've I've never ever heard of it being you know your second or third putt mainly because Leah it's it's almost like supposed to be a reward system in a sense. You know, nobody should be rewarded in a tournament for taking three putts and still having a 20-foot putt or 15-foot putt. I mean, come on, you honestly think you should win the Scotty Cameron that's available for winning the longest putt just because you took three putts to get it, you know, to a 20-foot spot where you can now claim the prize? I think that's ridiculous. Well, and and Cody kind of said, well, that's the way, like, especially in central Alberta, there's a ton of cash scrambles. So long putt is sometimes mm. worth like 500 bucks. I know I went into one at Dorchester one year, and it was this odd couple tournament. I ended up playing with Cody's uncle. And I made as like just a silly, I don't know, it was maybe an 18-footer, didn't really I actually didn't even know it was long putt because the thing hadn't been marked yet it was off to the side of the green and so I put my name down it stood up and I won like 250 bucks 
Because <laughs> nobody was, it, it was a long enough putt, right? That nobody was outside of it. But Coach said. But was said, that your second or third It was putt, my first. Leah? It was my first. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> I would, I would, like I said, I've never considered anything otherwise. But yeah, Cody said that there's okay, guys but, but, when. But now, so, sorry. Go, well, go, when, go ahead. when they know that their score is out of it and they know that there is a prize yeah. to be had for long putt, they will purposely putt it just behind that long putt and then, of course, get three or four reads off all their other playing partners, leave the best mm-hmm. putter for last and and try and make it like just to win a prize. And mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think that's right either. So no, now, now here's the question, given the knowledge that you have right now, um, let's say you did get the longest putt on your se- second putt. Would you put your name down on that card? I probably personally still wouldn't. I, yeah, I, I don't think I would still either. don't feel that's the way that, the prize was supposed to be done personally but Mm -hmm. um as 60 whatever it was 60 percent ish of the respondents in my poll answered they would they would that (laughs) cheaters (laughs) cheaters yeah i don't know if i (laughs) if i just learned it one way once and then figured that was the way it was everywhere else. My argument on the other side of the coin is, you know, what about KP, for example? So if you can take multiple attempts at getting long putt, does that mean you get multiple attempts at being KP? So if you chunk your tee shot and you're on the fringe just in front of the green and you putt it up to like two feet... Do you get to write your name down for KP? No, because everybody knows that KP is in one shot. It doesn't say closest to the pin in one shot. We just know as golfers that's what was meant by that prize. Whereas longest putt, actually it was funny, I had Chris, the guy from Bear Mountain, um, who runs all of the events there. He's the golf sales manager. He actually, his comment on my Facebook status was, I am now changing all of my tournament rule sheets going forward to say longest in one or longest putt in one attempt or something like that. So mm-hmm. like he also had no idea either. Well, and, and I think that's probably going to, or I mean, maybe it, it, it might become a thing where you're going to have to clearly note the rules because I mean, I've been to so many Texas scrambles in the past. It's always been the first putt, but maybe people really do think that it's on the second putt or the third putt. And you know what? It might need to start being more clearly outlined in the rules, or maybe we're just getting too carried away with this. Yeah. I don't know that there, <laughs> I, I will admit that the majority of respondents who were golf professionals did answer uh, mm-hmm. the same way as my brother and Cody saying any attempt can count because it's supposed to be one of those prizes that's fair for all. You don't have to necessarily be a skilled golfer to win that one. So, I mean, it, it sounds like in a lot of leagues um, at these golf courses that they do allow any putt. And so anyone who mm-hmm. who consistently plays these leagues week to week maybe has that understanding of any putt counts. And those of us who have played in more serious tournaments with long putt understand only the first attempt counts. Yeah. I don't know what the difference well, is. No, no two ways about it. It's a, it, it was a really good question to post on Facebook. It got a lot of response. I was actually surprised by the response. And I was surprised by the outcome because it was essentially pretty close to 50-50. Yeah, at the end of the day. It, it wasn't at first, though. I got to say, it no. was like 70-30 at first um, mm-hmm. going 
the opposite way that we feel. So I was shocked, but yeah, very interesting. And just another one of those gray areas in this sport that we all know and love. Sounds like a new topic that we should bring to the show. (laughs) The gray areas of golf. I like it. (laughs) Next up, we have chip shots brought to you by Callaway Golf. So congratulations. Just wanted to give a quick shout out to multiple Alberta Golf Tour players who have qualified for the Alberta Amateur which is taking place at Redtail Landing in mid-July. So congrats to Razik Patel, Evan Raw, Travis Blanchard, Matthew Cook, Jared Smith, and Jordy Kerrigan. Uh, best of luck, you guys, in July. And hopefully that wind stays down at Redtail, but it almost <laughs> is never the case there. Continuing with Callaway chip shots, Wes Heffernan's T6 finish on the McKenzie Tour, uh, and he claimed the Freedom 55 Canadian Player of the Week. In the Alberta Match Play Championship, Brennan McDougall of Glencoe Golf and Country Club defeated Brady McKinley of the Lacombe Golf and Country Club. And Tyler Kidd, our very own, he shot a 69 at the Riverbend Maple Leaf Junior Tournament Mini Tour Qualifier for the, we'll just call it the FCG Callaway World Championship, Palm Desert. Yeah. July 14th to 16th. It looks like you're going to be headed down for a little bit of a road trip. Yeah, I might need Cody to run a couple AGT events for me without me again. Um, Oh, God, no. (laughs) He figures he should go on this road trip, but then I, you know, was like, well, I can't set up the tent and all of the stuff. Like, I can't carry (laughs) that stuff. (laughs) Need you here because you're stronger than me, you know? Good one, um, But yeah, just a quick um, explanation to the 69 before everybody like freaks out. They played mm-hmm. the par three course at Riverbend and then the front nine. So right. it was a par 63 total. Um, but still, six over. The kid played amazing. And I'm super proud of him because actually his um, they played the par three first. He was only one over on the par three course. And then they went to go play the front nine, which he was 39 on it um, when we played at Riverbend the weekend before. Mm-hmm. I don't know what happened. Maybe because he hadn't hit his driver all day playing that par three course. He ended up tripling the first hole. And then he went bogey bogey and then made six pars to finish the round on the front nine to only shoot a 41 wow, after good. tripling the first hole. And you know what? He's he's kind of... That's good. It's, it's tough. We've been working on his mental game and, and getting him not worked up and mm-hmm. not giving up on his entire score and not giving up on holes because he hit one bad shot. So I have to say I'm super proud of him for recovering from a triple bogey and still ended up shooting the 69. It's good stuff, Tyler. You keep it up. Yeah. So I think we might go, we've got his drive chip and putt qualifier in Montana, July 10th. That actually, the timing is, is quite nice. We may just take a little road trip down to the States, Mm -hmm. maybe a little pit stop at Disneyland or something like that. And, and head down to Palm desert for July 14th to 16th for this Callaway world championship. That was Chip Shots, brought to you by Callaway Golf. All right, Leah, it is U.S. Open Week. Mm, I know I've told you before uh, in the past that U.S. Open is probably my favorite tournament, so I'm really looking forward to this week. Let's uh, let's jump right into it and start off with our picks. Who do you have this week? Oh, this is a hard one for me 
Number one, because I haven't been able to watch a ton of golf because I've been busy with mm-hmm. our own tournaments. Number two, I told everybody uh, at the Masters podcast that I thought Ricky Fowler was going to win a major this year. Well, he completely screwed me over by getting engaged. <laughs> oh, Ricky. Congratulations, Ricky. But I have to say that has not fared well in the past when Jordan got engaged or when Rory got engaged, like their focus shifts or I don't know what it is, but it's kind of a bad luck charm in the middle of golf season. So I'm not going to pick Ricky for this one. Okay. Well, Leah, we're supposed to be talking about who we are going to pick. I wanted to pick him though. (laughs) Um, You know what? He's having a really good year and, and I like where his game's at right now. So I know he's already won twice, so this might be unlikely, but I'm going to go with J-Day. Hmm. Jason Day, good pick. You know what? He's always up there. I mean, he, he's a good pick. I think he's uh, he's he's probably top 10 in the in the Vegas favorites. Now, why are you picking Jason Day? Just with where his game is at. He, he's mm-hmm. been playing solid. He's got two wins under his belt this year already. And I feel like mentally he's, he's really back in it part of Mm -hmm. me considered picking dj but you know the the field this past week wasn't super strong so not Mm -hmm. to discount dj's win this past weekend but i i just i don't know that the u.s open is where dj is going to get a major win Well, I'm going to take a little bit more of a statistical approach to this, and you're probably all going to roll your eyes when you hear who my pick is because you're going to be like, statistical? Yeah, right. We all know that you're a Phil fan. <laughs> okay, look, I'm going to go with Phil Mickelson. There, there are a number of reasons why. So let me lay it out for you. First off, the last time they played Shinnecock for the U.S. Open in 2004, Phil was second. Now, the course is 500 yards longer. I don't think that's a big deal for Phil because he still hits the ball. He he still hits it pretty far. But believe it or not, Phil so far has the best putts per round on the PGA Tour this year. And it will be a tough putting course because the greens are going to be dry and fast. So those those players who, who have been able to keep the putts low per round this year are probably going to score better at Shinnecock. He's also top 10 against the field when it's strong. You had mentioned that DJ this past week, the field wasn't very strong. So it makes for, you know, it, it, it makes for easier pickings for the world's top players. Uh, in this case, Phil is top 10 when the field is at its strongest. So I think that also plays well for him as well. So I am going to go with Phil. Uh, of course, the underlying narrative there is the U.S. Open is the remaining major for him to complete the Grand Slam. So I think, you know, time is running out for Phil, but I think this is the year that he does it. This is the one time, well, at least for now, that I will be happy for you (laughs) if your pick is correct, because I would love (laughs) to see Phil win. (laughs) Yeah, but you don't have much hope. Eh, Yeah, he's really let me down this year, I have to say. That's fair enough. Now, what about a dark horse pick, Leah? Um, Who's kind of maybe not on people's radar that you think should be on people's radar? Well, um, he fared very well at the Masters, even with a broken ankle or broken sprain, <laughs> whatever it was. I got to go with Tony Finau. He has been having a great mm-hmm. year. He's playing really well. And, you know, I don't know if he is totally in position yet to win a major, but 
he's getting close and he seems to always kind of be in that top 10, top 20. And I think that he might be able to do it. Mm-hmm. Finau's a good pick. I remember watching him way back on big break, um, thinking, oh man, this guy is going to be a good golfer. And sure enough, he graduated to the pro tour eventually, and uh, he's done nothing but good things. Now, you went to the very, very, well, quite young side uh, for your dark horse. Um, I'm going old, and I'm going really old. He's now on the seniors tour, uh, but still plays quite regularly on the PGA tour. Um, Steve Stricker. And again, I went to the statistics on this one. Stricker is second this year in driving accuracy when he's played in PGA Tour events. And that's going to be big. We all know that the U.S. Open penalizes players who don't hit the fairway. So driving accuracy is going to be key. Now, I know that that's not really Phil's strong suit, so that works against (laughs) Phil, but that's, that's beside the point. But uh, Stricker is also eighth in greens and regulation, and that's also going to be a big thing for uh, for the players this weekend at Shinnecock. So, and he's also in the top half of the field in putts per round. I think he's only uh, averaging about 1.5 more putts than Phil is, who, again, Phil leads the pack. The only thing that might get in Steve Stricker's way is, uh, I mean, he is a little bit older. He still can hit the ball uh, a decent length, but the length of the course, the additional length of the course may work against Stricker as he's only hitting the ball roughly 280 uh, off the tee as as compared with the rest of the field which is probably closer to two, 290, 292 so um, but I'm going to go with Stricker it would be nice to see him pick up the U.S. Open win. Hey I wouldn't be upset about that one either. Thoughts on the conditions I watched a video this morning on Instagram I don't know if you've seen it where a guy is at the side or back of the green Um, on 18 literally just drops a ball doesn't roll it just drops it and it rolls 10 yards off the front of the green (laughs) and then obviously the the you know two three foot long fescue just off the Mm -hmm. rough well for me and and it's part of the reason why i love the u.s open leah that is u.s open golf you need to be absolutely perfect and this is where maybe you and i disagree on the masters but i don't think you need to be perfect when you play the masters i think you need to be good to win at the masters but i think you need to be near perfect um, and it's usually reflected in in the scores that are close to even par at at the U.S. Open. So I, I'm okay with the the conditions. I know the greens are going to be dry. They're going to be fast. There's going to be wind. There's going to be you know fescue. I love it. That's what I love about it. And that's it's as link style as you're going to get in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Right. So outside yeah. of the Open, I I don't disagree with that. And it'll be very interesting to see how forgiving the golf course can be or if there's just ridiculous putts like like yesterday on spruce nine the amount of people that i had to watch putt off the front of the green (laughs) i felt so terrible for them so i'm sure it's going to be even worse uh trying to watch that this weekend it will be fun i actually imagine it'll play a lot like a typical open championship style course where the wind is going to be up. It's going to be dry. You're going to be hitting a lot of uh, a lot of low low irons that are going to skip 20 yards in front of the green, you know, just to roll it up there. So it's, it's going to be fun, and I'm going to really enjoy watching this weekend for sure. And this week we have a new AGT hot seat interview. Any guesses? Um, well, I know that we had tried to line up, tried to line up Stacy, but that didn't work because you're obviously busy at Innisfail. 
Um, I'm stumped, Mia. Tell me who you've got this week. You guys, he's literally staring at the guy's name right now. Well, um, we got to create some drama, though, Leah. I know, I know. <laughs> we ended up uh, going with a D flighter. I believe this is third year. We had a little argument on the hot seat about that too. I swear it's his fourth year, but we'll go with third. <laughs> Mike Stewart in the D flight, and he has no problem calling out his rival. All right, everybody, we are here with the AGT hot seat this week with. D-Flighter, Mike Stewart. Welcome to the show, Mike. Thanks for having me. All right. Do you know how this works? I do. Alrighty. Hey, someone that actually listens to the podcast. I heard them all. Actually, I didn't hear the last one, but heard all the others. All right. Here we go. Where are you from? Calgary, Alberta. How many years have you played on the AGT? I think this is my third. I think fourth. Maybe four. No, three. Three. Pretty sure. Okay. We'll go with three. Do you have a home club? Not anymore. I guess Blue Devil. Play men's night there. Yeah. That's close enough. What kind of clubs do you hit? Uh, Ping I-15s, I think they are. I don't know. A couple years old. What kind of ball do you hit? Uh, Callaway Chrome Soft. That's my favorite. Yes. Favorite shot to hit? <laughs> I'm going to go with my putter right now because nothing else worked today. That's fair. That's a safe one. Uh, would you rather play in the wind, as you can hear, uh, at Innisfail right now, or the rain? Uh, I think I'll still stick with the wind. Uphill or downhill putt? Uphill. <laughs> this shouldn't even be a question. I'm pretty sure my child is the only person that likes downhill putts. <laughs> Phil or Tiger? Hmm. I don't know. I, I like Phil. It's fair. How would people describe you in high school? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they probably didn't really notice me too much in high school. I was pretty quiet. Computer nerd. That's right. Okay. Uh, if you had $10 million to wager on anybody in the world making a 10-foot putt, who would you choose? Uh, I would say maybe Jordan Spieth, but the way he's playing lately, maybe the kid. The kid's a pretty solid bet. <laughs> and finally... Who is or are your AGT rivals? Well, I don't know. I don't think we have any official rivals out here. Everyone's pretty good. But uh, but because I have to name one, I'm naming the Charlene Kelly. Mm, Char, <laughs> you just got called out. Yeah. You better be ready for your rebuttal soon. I, I wish I had a camera to see her face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure she'll comment very soon. Yeah, I'm sure. Thanks for joining us, Mike. Thank you. Well, Mike, uh, you went straight for it. Uh, Charlene, as your rival, I'm sure that's going to make for some interesting D-flight champ- or D-flight uh, challenges here coming up in the near future. Once again, Leah, another awesome hot seat. Looking forward to seeing who you come up with next week. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening once again this week. Uh, Make sure that you hit us up on social media, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GolfLifeAB. Give us a shout out. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, um, any other gray areas that you want us to discuss. And of course, don't forget, we've got three tournaments coming up in the Calgary area on the AGT. We've got the 
Stampede Shootout. We've got the one at Glen Eagles. Uh, River Spirit is this weekend. Uh, and then where else do we go? We're we're still in the Calgary area for one more. Yeah, this we, Saturday oh, Redwood is, uh, yes, exactly. So this Saturday is River Spirit, and then Monday is Glen Eagles. The following weekend is our Wolf Creek Major. Mm, right. And then we've got, yeah, the Stampede Shootout at Highwood and the um, YYC Open at Redwood Meadows. So it's kind of our Calgary run right now. Um, also, check us out on the website at golflifeab.com. We'll see what Neeler knows for this week, see what his pick is. Um, last week, he did post his uh, little article on his first AGT event. Mm-hmm. Um, That's pretty good. <laughs> I, I'm not sure if I should be proud of the shout out that he gave me for teaching him the word douche canoe, but. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you're known for something, you're known for something, I guess, right? That's right. That's good. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Golf Life Alberta podcast. <laughs>